All right, it's time to get into the Word of God this morning on this awesome Sunday. Uh, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Really do it. Don't just let me do it. You really do it in your home. We're going to pray and allow God's Spirit and His voice to speak through us in Jesus' name. Father, in Jesus' name, we come into your presence. We are so thankful for the ability to continue to worship together. Even though we can't meet physically in person at the church, Lord, your spirit is not restricted to a building with walls. Lord, the church is not a building. We are your church, and we're going to continue to be your church every day, everywhere we go. So we thank you for your voice speaking to us through the Holy Spirit of God and through your word today. We open our hearts wide, allow you to be that dominant voice. Help us to grow in our faith, to be like you. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen or chat, type it up, amen, let somebody know. I want to let you know uh, on our, uh, uh, our streaming on nlcwv.com as well as on our Facebook Live, we've got leaders and pa- uh, staff pastors and moderators are there, so if you have a prayer request at any point, uh, just contact them, let them know. Uh, they've made themselves available uh, to be there for you during this time. Now, get your Bible or your smart device, whatever you're using. Acts chapter 16, we'll put the scriptures on the screen for you. I'm so sad I do not have a handout for you. Isn't that so sad? But it's okay. I'll make up for it, I promise, when we all start meeting again. Acts chapter 16, we're going to talk about one of the greatest Bible heroes uh, if you're a believer, you grew up in church, you've got a Bible hero. Um, even if you're unchurched, you've got a hero. And so we've got Bible heroes, and these are men and women of God, and they're not heroes because they lived perfect lives. Nobody lives a perfect life. Uh, there are heroes because they were able to overcome some of the worst and most difficult circumstances in life, even though it looked impossible. They rose up, God used them mightily, and they're our heroes. And so I'm going to look at the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest heroes. We first meet the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. Now, when we first meet him, not such a nice guy. Um, The Apostle Paul was persecuting Christians. He was responsible for the deaths of so many followers of Jesus Christ. Um, Not necessarily the guy we'd want to invite to speak to our church at that point in his life or to a church camp, anything like that. But then Jesus saves him, absolutely transforms his life, and now Paul becomes one of the greatest voices for Jesus and starts preaching the gospel all over the world. And so he's being used by God. Uh, Something really interesting happens along this journey that I really want to focus on and share about because we're dealing with with this coronavirus, COVID-19, all of this that we're dealing with, the quarantine, stuck in homes, the financial uncertainty, everything, we're dealing with overwhelming circumstances. Every one of us are. Well, the Apostle Paul went through a number of serious overwhelming circumstances. There's a lot to learn from this that we, I believe we can relate. It happened thousands of years ago, but we can learn from it today. So we're going to look in Acts chapter 16, and we're going to start verses 6, and we're going to read through verses 10. And I'm going to share a little bit about it. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of, we're we'll calling it Phrygia, not pronouncing that right, and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Verse 7 When they came to the border of uh, Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them there either. So they passed down to Mysia, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing. And begging him to come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready for once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us, called us to preach the gospel 
to them. So we can all agree, just through this passage, that God has a clear vision for Paul's life. I mean, absolutely clear. We see Paul, he's trying this area, and God says no. He's trying this area. God's like, no, nah, not there either. I can't pronounce that either. So he's saying, no, here's what I want you to be. So God has an absolute vision for Paul's life. And so my takeaway from this right in the beginning is do not forget that even through the circumstances we are all dealing with, you and I, we're all dealing with this together, is that God still has a plan. God still has a great vision for your life. Now, it may not be working out exactly like we thought it would. Definitely. There is a detour that we are all taking. We thought we'd go from point A to point B. It would all be working out. And that doesn't seem to be the case. Of course, we're dealing with this right now. But God still has a vision for life, for your life. And I want you to know that God's vision for your life is great. And it's better than your own vision for your life. So trust Him. Trust in His plan, His purpose. No matter what it looks like, God's working this out. So Paul, he's now dealing with uh, the detour. And he heads to Philippi. In the next couple of verses, the Bible says he stops. He's looking for a place of prayer. And he stops by this river. And there is a woman there named Lydia. Now, the Bible says that Lydia was a dealer in purple cloth. That's the Bible's way of telling you she had money. This woman had wealth. So everybody shows up in their old single hump camels, and she shows up in her brand new fancy uh, double hump camel that has Sirius XM radio. So she's got like the new fancy stuff, everything nice, and that's conjecture, I know. But the Bible says that God at that moment opened up her heart, began to speak to her, the message of Christ, and she received Jesus as her Lord. Now, Paul and Silas, they had arrived in this town. They had nowhere to stay. And so the Bible says she opened up her home. She, she was, it was, you know, the appropriate thing to do to be hospitable at that time. So she opens up her home and invites them and Paul and his companions to stay there. So they're excited. No Motel 6 for us. If you stay at a Motel 6, uh, don't feel under condemnation. Just making a joke. But they can now stay at their home. Things are going very well. Unfortunately for Paul and his companions, the wheels fell off quickly, quickly. Acts chapter 16, verses 16 and 17. Once when we were going into the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. So this is not a spirit from God or a spirit from the Holy Spirit or a spirit from the Lord. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed, by Paul, uh, followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are the servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. When you first hear that, you think, well, that doesn't sound too bad, right? I mean, she's yelling, these guys know how to lead you to Jesus, so it's a good thing. Shouldn't Paul and Silas, shouldn't they agree? No, they shouldn't. Here's why. She's demon-possessed. That's kind of a big clue right there. So even if a demon is telling you something that has partial truth because it's from a demon, demons don't tell the truth. A half-truth, a partial truth, is still a lie. So this demon now is lying. Um, and, and, you know, she's trying to really trying to bring attention to the enemy and what he's trying to do. And so who knows? If, if Paul and Silas agree with this woman, real truth sets you free. And if they follow this woman, allow her to um, have any more attention or to get her way, who knows what she's going to say next. And so Paul tries his best, the Bible says, to just ignore her. Verse 18, she kept this up for many days, 
And finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Bible says the Spirit left her. So Paul, you know what he's dealing with here? After a few days, Paul's annoyed. He's super annoyed. I don't know about you. Maybe you're not the kind of person. You're, not, you're, you're nicer and you're better than I am. That's awesome. You've been with your kids for a, a whole week now. Everybody is homeschooling. If you are not annoyed <laughs> or have been annoyed by something, being in close proximity with, with everybody, then God bless you. You are a saint and you've got a bigger mansion in heaven than I do. But a lot of us, we're dealing with annoyances already. Just all the different things going on. We're so annoyed. And so the Bible says the, the Apostle Paul is so annoyed. How many of you would agree that we don't make the best choices when we're annoyed? That's not when we make the best decisions. You know, nobody has said, you know, they're aggravated and they get mad and they punch a hole in the wall and they're like, I decided to do some redecorating. Nobody does that. We don't do the best, don't make the best choices when we are annoyed. And so the Apostle Paul here, he got annoyed, not spiritually annoyed, like you got on my last nerve annoyed. And that's what he's dealing with. And so the Bible says that he cast that demon out in the name of Jesus, come out. I don't know how many parents out there, how many of you tried that on your kids? In the name of Jesus, shut up. Did that work for you? Probably not. Worked for Paul, though. And so at this point, you're thinking, demons out, problem solved. Paul took care of this, right? I mean, he doesn't have to go anywhere with this girl yelling at him and stirring up problems and confusion and division. You know, she was following him into the bathrooms, following him into the streets, everywhere he went. She was annoying him. Well, all of a sudden, it's over with. Verse 19. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money, keyword making money, was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Two words, seized and dragged. How many of us would agree that it's not a great day when you include the words seized and dragged into that day's activities? Uh, not a good day. Nobody wakes up thinking, you know what I'd like to do? I want to go to Starbucks, get a coffee. Later on, maybe get seized and dragged. Nobody's thinking that. Nobody's thinking, hey, I'd like to wake up today and maybe later catch the coronavirus. Nobody's thinking that either. This is a bad day. And Paul is dealing with some unfortunate circumstances right now. And they're thinking, you know, we haven't done anything. We didn't do anything immoral. We didn't deserve this. Uh, we didn't earn this. Um, everything should be all right. But then it actually gets worse. Verse 20 and 21. So they brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. So now, not only have they been seized and dragged, now they're being falsely accused and lied about publicly in front of everybody. How many of you have been falsely accused? I know that I have. I know a lot of people who have. It's not a good day. It's very easy for that to happen on social media. Everybody's got an opinion. It happens. And this is what's taking place with Paul and Silas. Verse 22 gets even worse. The crowd joins in. Well, of course they do. Whenever somebody is being accused, it's easy for the crowd to join in. And so the crowd joins in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. Stripped and beaten. Now... You, you think it's bad, it actually gets even worse. Verse 23, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. Um, the Bible says severely flogged. 
Um, just to give you a comparison, the, in Luke 23, the Bible says Jesus was flogged. And in Acts 16, Acts 16 Paul and Silas are severely flogged. That gives you an idea of, of the punishment that they just received. Verse 24, upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet with stocks. Now that was reserved for the very worst of the prisoners. And so talk about a bad day. Talk about being literally chained to your circumstance. Talk about a quarantine situation that you can't get out of. This is what Paul and Silas are dealing with. This is, you know, this is worse than being stuck behind a car that's driving slow and you're late for work. Uh, this is worse than, you know, going to the grocery store and realizing that there's no, there's no toilet paper left. And that's pretty bad. But this is far worse than that. This is the kind of day that they've had. Now, I know for a lot of you, your circumstances before all of this weren't great. You were already dealing with some serious, overwhelming circumstances in your life. Some of your marriages were struggling. Some of your finances were, were struggling. Some of your mental health was struggling. Some of you, your spiritual health was struggling. There was a lot of us that were dealing with overwhelming circumstances before this hit. And now after this has hit, whew, what do we do? Where do we turn? How do we handle this? I, don't, I didn't know what to do before this hit. Now, it seems like everything has gone crazy. How do I deal with this whole situation? How do I handle this? You know, every time you think you're going to break free, every time you think you're about to break out, it seems to get worse. And that's what Paul and Silas were dealing with, and that's what a lot of us are dealing with now. And I hope that I have your attention because there's two things that I'm going to take the next just few minutes and share with you that I believe they're going to help you, encourage you, and build your faith. Um, if we were meeting here physically, this is where I would tell you to get your handouts, get them ready, get your pens ready, and write this down. Make your notes, take your notes, because of course the Lord loves to bless those who take notes in church. That is scripture, don't look it up. But I do want you to share this uh, on your Facebook feed or on uh, the church streaming feed, and I, I hope that this helps you out. Number one is this, my circumstances will only begin to change when I fully focus on Jesus. I'm going to say it again. My, my circumstances or freedom from my circumstances will only begin to change when I fully focus on Jesus. Now, I, I know that that sounds simple. That doesn't sound like it's super deep and it doesn't sound, you know, uh, super interesting. But my question to every single person who is struggling with the circumstance, feeling overwhelmed right now is this. How many of us have made our already bad circumstances, uh, circumstances and situations even worse by dwelling on them? All we've done is dwelling on, dwell on how bad it is, dwell on how miserable we are on dealing with it. No, when we focus on our problems, we magnify them. When we focus on our situation and we focus on the hopelessness and we focus on the insecurity or we focus on the uncertainty, we magnify them. But when we focus on Jesus, when we focus on the Word of God, when we focus on the greatness of God, we magnify, we lift up, we exalt, we make bigger than Jesus and His ability to set us free and deliver us from those circumstances. Nobody has ever made their situation or circumstance because they obsessed over it. Nobody. They've only made it worse. The other thing I've discovered, and I wrote this down, is that nobody's interested in a pity party. Everybody, listen, we're all dealing with this together. Every single one of us. 
Every one of us right now are dealing with this together. And so, you know, nobody needs to be a victim right now. Don't throw blame. Don't feel like you're the only one. No, we're all living this together at the same time all across the United States. And so we need to have each other's back. We need to be for each other. We need to focus our heart, our eyes, our life on Christ. Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us, is our victory. That's our way out. That's our source. That's how we get this full freedom. Um, victim, victim mentality, they're the kind of people who are okay staying chained with just a little bit of slack. I don't want just a little bit of slack. I want full freedom from this. I want full deliverance from this in the name of Jesus. And so, so the difference between victim mentality and victory mentality is simply this. Who are we choosing to focus on? Are you choosing to focus on Jesus or are you choosing to focus on all the crazy news, all the breaking news? Everybody, the media, they're all fanning the flames of fear. It's what they're doing. It's creating hysteria. Are you, or are you choosing to focus on Jesus Christ. This is so, so important. Jesus is our healer. He's our deliverer. So freedom from our circumstance begins when we focus on Jesus. Why? It's because of number two. This is the second point, so write this down. Because Jesus is greater than anything and everything I'm going through. Jesus is greater. God's Word is greater. The Holy Spirit of God is greater than any circumstance and situation that I'm going through. Did you hear me? I want to make sure you heard me clearly. That means Jesus is greater than your overwhelming feelings. Jesus is greater than any coronavirus, whether it's COVID-19 or COVID-27. Jesus is greater, and you don't forget that. His healing power is greater. His Holy Spirit is greater. His ability to deliver us and preserve us and save us is greater. Jesus is greater. That's why I stay focused on him. That's why you stay focused on Jesus. Magnify him. Fill your heart with God's word, his voice, and allow him to help you overcome and get through this in Jesus' name. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Let me show you what they did. At about Midnight. Now, this is shouting for all you charismatics. At about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners, prisoners who were there were listening to them. What were Paul and Silas doing? After one of the worst possible days ever, were they panicked? No. Were they complaining? No. Were they venting? No. What were they doing? Praying. They prayed first. What were they doing? Singing. Not just any song. They weren't just you know, singing ridiculous songs. They were praying and singing, the Bible says, hymns to God. So hold up. Let's get this right. Seized, dragged, accused, lied about, stripped, severely flogged, chained in prison, praying, worshiping. Doesn't make sense, right? Doesn't make sense. But this is what they chose. I must have, I must have missed that verse where they lost their minds, right? No. These guys just had the snot beat out of them. Um, they had the worst day possible. They're in overwhelming circumstances, and they choose to pray. Which I understand that. I understand that. Those emergency prayers. We all have those moments. But singing hymns? They are, they are worshiping God in the, in the middle of what we would all agree is a horrible, worst, stinking day ever scenario. 
And there they've decided to worship. So when we get into a circumstance that's overwhelming and we don't know what to do, um, when, when we can constantly hear the media telling us that the virus is spreading and there's no cure and maybe this medication works and maybe this medication works and uh, you know there's no toilet paper again and there's no this or there's and all these things going on, we, can, we have a choice. We can either choose to worry or we can choose to worship. And that's on you. That is not on God. That is on you. And that is on me. Will you choose to worry? Or will you choose to worship? I've learned in life it's best to just dismiss the worry and get right into worship. And allow the presence of God to fill your heart. And, and, and I know a lot of preachers who are very articulate. And they're amazing preachers. Men and women of God. And they could dazzle you with all kinds of amazing things about what worship is. With all the Greek and all that. And, and my simple definition is this. Worship is simply when I realize how small I am and how great God is. Worry, wor- worry magnifies the problem. Worship magnifies God. And so when I realize I'm in an overwhelming circumstance, the way Paul and Silas were, they're in a prison. They didn't earn the right to be there. They had done nothing wrong, but yet they still find themselves chained and essentially quarantined. And what did they do? The Bible says they chose to worship. There are things in our life we don't have control over. I can't control what has taken place all over the world, but I can control how I respond to it. You can too. And we need to choose to worship and magnify and lift up the name of Jesus. So the Bible says that Paul and Silas are praying and singing. The other prisoners actually heard them. You know, there are going to be times like what we're dealing with today where you're singing in your house, where it sounds and feels like you're the only one singing and you're the only one who can hear yourself singing. But this is what I want you to understand. I want you to understand that even on days like today where it feels like you're the only one singing, you're not. You're not. You're surrounded by an army of believers, a great family of believers. Maybe you're not with them physically, but you are with them spiritually today, and we were all singing together. And the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. And so the Bible teaches us that the more we praise and worship, God's spirit is attracted to that. And the Bible says this, that Paul and Silas were praying, singing, so the prisoners heard them. That's why people who are really, who really worship God, people who really, who really need God, they don't care who, who hears them. They're going to worship loud, and they're going to, they don't care what anybody thinks. And so if we're a believer, we are called to worship God today. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you and I, we are called to worship God, even in a circumstance or a situation where it makes no sense at all. Even in a home where maybe your kids are yelling and there's all kinds of distractions, today's the day where you still worship. Today's the day where you still lift up and magnify the name of Jesus. So Paul, Paul and Silas says, I don't care if it's just us singing, we're singing loud enough for everybody to hear. And the Bible says, this is what took place. This is what took place. Even though they've, they've, they've been seized and dragged and flo- severely flogged and all this, they're praising God. Now, I, I do want to point this out real quick. Anybody can praise God when everything's going great. Anybody can worship God when they're not in prison, when there's no virus, when they're, not, when they're completely you know, comfortable with their lifestyle and the finances and there's nothing unpredictable taking place or uncertain taking place. Everybody can praise God in those situations. Can you choose to worship and praise God with what's going on right now? Can you do it? They had to do it. They chose to do it. Can you do it? Because if you can do that, you can invite what took place in Paul and Silas' life into your life. And I believe collectively, believers, we're going to see this happen. Because remember, worship grabs the heart of God, gets God's attention. And so the Bible says this. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 16, again, verse 26. 
uh, they had just been singing, and suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. The, pre- the foundation of prison was, sh- was shaken. So can you imagine this with me for a second, that Paul and Silas, they begin to worship God, and God's up in heaven, and he's looking around, he's like, can you believe those two guys? They're in prison, they've been beaten, and yet here they are worshiping me. Can you believe that they're doing this? Can you believe that? God's looking at this going, wow, wow. So all of a sudden, God's like, all right, somebody crank up that earthquake machine. I'm about to set some people free. And this is what the Bible says. He says, and suddenly, and suddenly there was a violent earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And all at once, the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. God sent an earthquake. He sent an earthquake. And so here's my question. With everything crazy going on right now, who do you know in your life is able to send an earthquake to set you free? Who's able to shake up all this craziness? Who's able to deliver you in a situation and circumstance that nobody else can? Who do you know in your life has that ability? Is it the government? I'm not putting my faith in the government. The CDC? No, I'm not putting my faith in the CDC. I'm not putting my faith in anyone. I am putting my faith in the one who I know can absolutely shake me loose, set me free. And the Bible says they were all set free. All prison doors came open. Everyone's chains came loose. But who were the two singing? Paul and Silas. So even though you only had two men singing, everybody's chains came loose. So here's what I'm telling you, people. I'm telling you, family. I'm telling you, church. That if you and I will worship God, praise God, sing, uh, focus completely on Jesus, speak this word of healing and deliverance, we will invite God's presence into this unimaginable situation and scenario. And God has the ability to not only set the singers free, but to set everyone free. That's how vital and important it is for us to continue being the church in this situation, in this, in this scenario right here, right now. Because I'm telling you, other people will get free just by your worship. It'll happen. Other people will be set free just because of your worship. So when the chains came off, the Bible says also that the doors flew open. He didn't just loosen the chains and the doors stayed shut. He, he, he shook it free and then open the doors, open the doors, wide open. So if we want freedom, if we want freedom, we are going to focus our eyes on Jesus Christ, on His Word, on His ability, on His salvation, on His saving grace, on His redemption, on His resurrection, on the life of God. We are going to focus on Jesus because Jesus is greater. He's greater than cancer. He's greater than aches and pains. He's greater than the flu. He is greater than the coronavirus. He is greater than all. Lift up and magnify the name of Jesus and his freedom will come. I'm going to ask everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to pray over you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray over every single person who is dealing with overwhelming circumstances that first and foremost, we stop magnifying by worrying and dwelling and focusing on all the problems and all the mistakes and all the issues. Maybe from even before this situation hit, we were struggling. I pray that we stop magnifying the problem and we start focusing on Jesus. And the reason why we focus on you, Jesus, is because you are greater. You conquered death, hell, and the grave. 
You have provided full freedom and deliverance, full healing and forgiveness for us. Jesus, you are greater. You are greater. So here's what I'm going to ask everybody to do. I'm going to ask you to search your heart. Search your heart. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you don't need to be here physically and join hands with me in order for this to to take place. You just simply need to make a commitment in your heart. And at New Life Church, we don't pray alone. We pray together. And I'm going to ask our entire church, everybody watching uh, this service right now, to say this prayer. And that is simply this. Heavenly Father, I ask you to forgive me for any sin, any mistake, any failure in my life. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. I'll live for you. I'll follow you for the rest of my life in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, you let someone know. You, you post on it right now. Type something out. Type something out on your phone or on your computer, whatever it is you're using to watch, and let someone know that you have just made a commitment to live for Jesus. And we would love, even though we can't physically be together quite yet, we would love to get you started on your journey with the Lord. And so let somebody know right now. Post about it and brag that Jesus is your Lord. I hope this message encourages you. I believe freedom is coming. I believe it's coming for all of us um, in Jesus' name. If you aren't aware, of course, we're not meeting physically, and so we're going to conclude this service with a couple quick announcements, and that is this. So stay connected just for another minute or two. One is we're going to give you an opportunity to give. We continue to give. We have a lot of missions that we support here at New Life Church, outreaches that we're still supporting, people that count on us to be the church, and your giving goes such a, makes such a difference for the kingdom of God, and so I'm going to encourage you to be a giver. Of course, our New Life family, you can continue to give your, so your tithes and offerings. We have different methods of giving. We have push pay, which is our digital and text giving option. Uh, you simply text to the number 77977 the phrase NLC give, and then that will get you started uh, through that process. Just follow the prompts as you give that that way. We also have through our website, nlcwv.com slash give. And that is a great way where you can see all of the different options and methods of giving. We're still at, we still have office hours at this time through the week. So if you need to physically drop off a contribution, you can between uh, 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Thursday when we're here at the office. We are still collecting donations, believe it or not, to help people out. The Head Start program that we've been supporting and helping out, they need socks and underwear, and that information is posted on our church, uh, on our church page. It'll also be po posted on our Facebook page. Um, for it's, it's socks and underwear for children, and so that's a great way to be a blessing. They're still in need of diapers and baby wipes, diapers of all sizes and baby wipes, and so if you can bring any forms of donations. I know it's scary out there, and I know it's scarce out there, but God has called us to be the church, and we are supposed to stand up and stand out. So I encourage you to continue being the church. Look for ways for God to use you. Look for, him, look for ways to be used by God and make a difference. Pray with someone, text someone, call someone, uh, be there for a neighbor. 
do what is necessary. Look for a way to be used by God. I promise you there are still opportunities for you to be used by God. I'm going to end this time by saying a prayer of blessing the way we do every Sunday as we go. Normally when we leave the house of God, we pray a blessing. And so I'm going to pray a blessing of favor. But I'm also going to include that protection over everyone who is still continuing to serve through this crisis. So bow your heads one more time. We'll pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray the blessing of favor of God over every single one of us. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you, Lord God, for your deliverance, for your healing protection, for your guidance, direction, and wisdom, for your provision. We target our prayers right now. We target those who are serving in the healthcare industry that you watch over them or protect them and help them to serve. Those who've been infected, those who are under quarantine, that you continue to bless us, Lord God, and watch over us. We trust you. We look to you. As we, as we end this service, we end in faith, and we continue to declare that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We give you praise, glory, and honor for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Love you. We'll see you soon.